Well, I wanted to. Uh, I want to start today and tell you about uh, last Sunday. Last Sunday, I had the opportunity. Uh, most of you know Adam, uh, who who leads worship occasionally uh, here at the church. Um, Adam and Katie. I uh, got married last Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, and, and uh, I was able to do that um, ceremony and, and perform the wedding ceremony for uh, them. And and uh, it was so cool, um, beautiful ceremony, and, and everything was great and all that. And, and uh, I was talking to Jamal afterwards. We were just talking about the whole wedding thing and how the bride uh, is this picture. And in Ephesians 5, it actually talks about that, that, that the husband and the bride in marriage are a picture of Christ and the church. And how the bride is this, this incredible picture of the church. And we're talking about uh, during the wedding, and he, he, was, he was referring to the bride coming in. And he's like, man, every time when the bride comes down the aisle, I just think about the church. That's us. And in Ephesians 5, it's beautiful because um, God's purpose for the church, God's direction for the church is that it would be without spot or wrinkle. And, you know, you've seen weddings, right? And, and, and the wives um, or the brides are, are, are all decked out, you know, and they've got all the makeup on, the hair done, and the dress is just beautiful. And it's different, right? Uh, whether, you know, no matter what the, the, the bride looks like ahead of time, they're like super beautiful for the wedding, right? I mean, it's just amazing. And, and it's this picture of the church, it's this picture of the church coming, and, and, and I started thinking we were talking more about that. And in the wedding service, what happens? There's vows, right? And I was thinking about that this week, and, and especially in relation to what we're going to talk about today. And just the vows that, that, that we talked through, I'm just going to tell you some of the, the things that we uh, did in the wedding for Adam and Katie. The vows went like this. Will you have this man to be your husband? To live together in obedience to God and his word. Will you love him, honor and keep him in sickness and in health? And forsaking all others, keep yourself only for him. So long as you both shall live. And then later, you know, the vows where they they repeat every line. It says, um, I'll just put my name in here. I, Tony, take you to be my wife or husband or whatever the person is there to have and to hold from this day forward for better or worse for richer or poorer in sickness and in health to love and to cherish till death do us part now i want you to change the thinking of that okay because we hear those and we think about the wedding right uh, whether you're watching something on TLC or or actually go to a wedding, if you actually have friends and, and they invite you to a wedding and you can go and see the, the vows being made to each other. But I want you to think about that in relation to, to the church and Christ and thinking about the vows that even this earthly couple that is a picture of that Christ and the church and thinking of those vows. And those are the things we ought to be saying of Christ those are the commitments. Those are the promises that we ought to be making to Christ. Imagine that. Okay. I, Tony, take you, Jesus, to be my husband, to have and to hold from this day forward for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part, or in this case, till death do us unite. Man, how beautiful and how challenging. That's the picture of who we are, is this bride that is making this commitment to Christ, our Lord, our Master, 
And that's the way it ought to be. That's what it should look like. When Jesus opens our eyes to the fact that he's the greatest treasure we could ever find. I mean, some of you are married, okay? And man, some of you guys, I know, okay, you married up big time, all right? I know you guys, all right? Well, all that means is you didn't deserve what is sitting next to you now or at your house or whatever right now, Michael. No offense, but uh, <laughs> his wife's homesick today. Um, but you didn't deserve, right? And, and you remember that day that you met your spouse, okay? And especially the day that you just realized this is the one. This is the one I'm giving my life to. This is the one I'm going to be with for the rest of my days, how wonderful, how wonderful that is. And you've got to multiply that by thousands and thousands to even come close to the fact that Jesus has offered himself to us as our husband. Okay, when you think of the picture that he gives where, where we're the bride of Christ, that he's offered himself to us as, as the husband. And how much more ought we to be like, no way. I will promise you anything. In fact, I'll promise you everything. In sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, for better or for worse, I will promise you me forever. That's the picture that we should be to Christ. Can you imagine if the church did that? Can you imagine the church, our church right here? Imagine if us, if we, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, made that kind of a commitment to our Lord. What would it look like? Can you imagine on Sunday mornings? You wouldn't complain. You wouldn't get up and, oh, it's raining outside. Jesus never wanted us to go to church in the rain. Oh, they're having something else today after church. Oh, man. Isn't an hour and a half enough? We wouldn't complain. It would just be like, I want to be with those people. I want to be with these people who have committed themselves to the Lord, who have given themselves, who promised themselves forever to the Lord. And because of that, they promise themselves to me. They, they love me. They treat me like I, 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 I'm like them. They treat me as, like they love me as much as they love themselves. And it's awesome. I just want to be with those people. I want to share with those people. I want to be a part of that body. Can you imagine? If these people, if our church made that kind of a commitment, that kind of a promise to the Lord, well, it's what we ought to do. In fact, if, if we call ourselves a Christian, it's what we ought to be. It's the kind of people we ought to be. And we're looking at a passage this morning, and before we get to our main text, there's a verse I love in, in uh, Psalm 119, verse 18. And it's a prayer, and it just says this, Open my eyes that I can behold wonderful things from your law. The law being God's word, okay? And what I want us to do this morning before we start, if, if, if this is you, if you can say this with your whole heart, then I want you to say it boldly, okay? And we're just going to pray this together. You repeat it after me. I'll give you short phrases, and we're going to repeat it. But just making this prayer to God, because God can make us into the church that he wants us to be. If we will submit to him, if we'll give him our lives, he can make us into the church that he wants to be. That's his job. That's what it says in Ephesians, that, that he's, he's, he's going to make us without spot or wrinkle, with no blemish. So we're going to be a beautiful, beautiful bride of Christ. And so what I want us to do is just kind of make this prayer to God, okay? All right, together, ready? Open my eyes that I may behold 
wonderful things from your law. All right, let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. And I, I pray that you'd answer that prayer straight from your word. God, open our hearts. We want to behold you. The most wonderful thing that we could find from your word is genuinely you. To be madly in love with you. To devote ourselves to you, God, above all things. To forget the things that we have cherished here on earth. And to love you and cherish you and devote ourselves to you, God. And I pray, I pray that your spirit would move. And that the the song that we sang would not just be a song. But that we would find it as truth today. That your fire, your glory, your spirit would fall and move in our hearts and do what only you can do. Open our eyes, our blind eyes, and help us to see Jesus today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are looking in the book of Acts. Uh, We're working through the book of Acts right now. We're um, in chapter 2. I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a review of what we talked about two weeks ago. Uh, we had a guest speaker last week, um, but two weeks ago we talked, uh, kind of finished up this this sermon that that Peter has preached. Okay, uh, we go through this sermon, and then Peter kind of addresses the crowd through the sermon. At the end of the sermon, the people are cut to their hearts, and they say to Peter, "What can we do? What should we do?" Because in the sermon, Peter calls him out and he says, God sent his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived a perfect life. He did miracles. He did wonderful signs. And he throws it on the people and says, you know that he did. You saw that he did. And according to God's perfect, definite plan, you killed him. Well, these people are ruined. And they say, what should we do? What can we do? They know they're sinners and, and, and they know that they need reconciliation to God. And so they, what can we, so they say, what can we do? And Peter's response is, repent, be baptized, be forgiven of your sins. And then you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And they do it. And it says at the end of the text that we looked at um, two weeks ago, it says that uh, those who received his word, those who believed and were baptized, were added that day about 3,000 souls. That is amazing. Amazing. 3,000 people just gave their life to Jesus, believed in him and confessed him and are forgiven of their sins. Their whole eternity is changed right then. And so in verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Just start with those first two words, they, okay? Who's it talking about, about the they? Well, as we look through the book of Acts, we, we started out with 120 believers, okay? 120 people that are genuinely following Christ. They saw him die, they saw him rise again, and they are committed to Christ. And they're meeting together, they're praying together. Then Peter gives this sermon, and there's 3,000 more people added. So you've got 3,120 people Around that, uh, the end of uh, verse 41 says there were added that day about 3,000. So it's an estimate, but around 3,120 people who are following Christ. And that's who it's talking about with the they. All right. And that is very, very, very important. All right. Because what I don't want you to think is as we get into this next part where it talks about being devoted to God, being devoted to the apostles teaching, uh, being devoted to fellowship, being devoted to breaking of bread, to being devoted to prayer. I don't want you to think, well, these are mature people. 
And that's why they're devoted. These are people who have been following Jesus. These are people who have walked with him. These are people who understand a lot about the Bible. They've studied the Bible now. They know a lot about the Bible. And, 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 and so they can be devoted. It's possible for them to be devoted. And as soon as I know a certain amount, then I'll be devoted. I don't want you to think that. Because this is the very next verse. These people believed in Christ and immediately they were devoted to him. They committed themselves to him. They, they, they laid their lives before him and said, whatever, I'm going to be devoted to you. Whatever was, was, but now it's all you, Christ. And now you've got you to realize that some of these people literally were putting their lives on the line by saying that. They were turning their back on, on everything that they had followed, everything that they had believed, and said, no, 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 we believe in Christ. We believe that he died, we believe that he rose again, and we believe that he's the only way that we can have forgiveness of sins. And that was a slap in the face to their religion. And so they're putting their lives on the line to follow Christ, and immediately they are devoted to him. They're committed to him. They're following him wholeheartedly. You know, I met a pastor um, this past week and uh, took a trip to Texas and I and, uh, got to meet with this pastor. We're going to call his name Jimmy because that's his name. And, uh, and so this guy, Jimmy, I'm sitting there talking to him and he's, he's talking about when he came to know Christ, this pastor. And uh, he came to know Christ in college and he said something really weird, okay? He said that when he came to know Christ, he had, he had read in the Bible that you could know God. And so he believed it. And so what he did was he said, you know what, Lord, I'm going to give you, completely give you the next six months of my life. And whatever the Bible says, I'm going to do it. And so he starts in the book of Matthew and he reads chapter one the first day and he does what it says. And then he goes to Matthew chapter two and whatever it says, he just does. He's just like, Lord, I'm going to read this. Whatever it says, I'm going to do it today. He said by the time he got six days into following Christ, he'd given everything away and he's just loving people and he's got these relationships. He's lost friends. And I'm just like. That is absolutely I was so thankful that I heard this story because I'm like, that is what the church must have looked like when they gave their lives to Christ at first. It was just like, Lord, we don't know exactly what to do. So what we're going to do is we're just going to obey your word. We're just going to do whatever the apostles say. We're going to love each other. We're going to be together because what the what the apostle said, by the way, is what we have written down as God's word now. OK, and so so we're going to do whatever the apostles say, whatever you speak through them, whatever you tell us to do through them. We're going to do it. We're going to fellowship. We're going to love each other because for some reason you've called us the body of Christ. And so for us to be the body, then we kind of have to function together and be united together and and do this stuff together and. And, and we're, you told us, Jesus, not many days ago, maybe a couple months ago, you told us that, that we ought to take the bread and the cup and we ought to remember the sufferings of you. And so we're going to be committed to that. We're going to devote ourselves to that. And then you told us to pray, Lord. And so we're going to devote ourselves to prayer. And they just did it. And I just thought, man, what if the church responded to Jesus like that? I mean, isn't that what it should be? 
I mean, Matthew 13, 44 describes salvation. We've talked about this, you know. This is kind of my theme this year, all right, because this is what salvation is. It's finding the greatest treasure we could ever find. That's what Matthew 13, 44 is saying. God is the treasure, and this man is going through this field, and he finds this treasure, and in finding it, he's so excited, he covers it up, goes back, sells everything he has to get the field. It is a picture of God. It's coming across God and realizing that he's the greatest thing that we could ever find. And so great that we are willing to go back and all of the things that were important to us, all of the things that we valued, all of the things that we followed, all of the things that we were devoted to, we, we're willing to get rid of all of it. We're willing to sell it all. We're willing, willing to, to change our purpose. We're willing to change our direction and say, God, you are the treasure and I will give everything to have you. And if that's what we're saying, if that's what salvation looks like, then isn't it likely that we are going to be devoted to the very thing that we just gave everything else up for because it's the greatest treasure we could find? Isn't that likely? Isn't that what it's supposed to look like? Isn't that what salvation ought to be like? And that's what we're seeing here. They, the, the, the brand new believers, those that had just given their lives to Christ, they devoted themselves to these things. So what does it mean to be devoted? Um, we know what it means to be devoted. You know, we were having prayer this morning, and, and I think it was Jeff, you were talking about that, and, and uh, praying that. And he's like, Lord, we know what devoted means. We don't need a lesson on devotedness, but just in case, okay, just in case you forgot or just in case you don't realize that you are devoted to things, um, here's what it means. It means to continue to do something with intense effort. In, in, the, in the Greek, there's a possible implication of despite difficulty. It means to persist, to persist in something. Just keep doing it. Lord, you are my treasure. And I'm just going to keep you that way. I'm going to keep you as my treasure because you're worth it. Because you're the greatest thing I could ever find. You're everything. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to devote myself to you. Devoted to persist in, to continue in, to, to do something with intense effort. And these believers were were devoted believers. They were committed believers. They just, it, it just, it's this picture of they really did believe. <laughs> they really did believe that Christ was the greatest treasure that they could ever find. They really did believe that there was nothing better than God. Nothing better. You guys, we devote ourselves to stuff. I mean, we all know what being devoted is. I watched two football games yesterday. That's like six hours, I realized afterwards. Six hours, that's devotion. I mean, that's absolute being devoted to something right there. Two football games, six hours. And I thought, I started thinking through that, okay? I absolutely, no doubt about it, confessing to you, I devoted myself to those games. When I watched them, I watched them, right? I, that's what I did. And so I'm, I'm watching these games for six hours. And I just thought about the church, our church, I just thought, man, if we if we said this Sunday, next Sunday, man, we're going all out. We're going to have a whole six hour service, six hours of our week. How would we respond? It'd be some kind of a cold front through on Saturday because we would be like, oh, I'm too sick. I would love to be there today because I know it would be awesome. But man, I'm just too sick to go in for six hours. Or what if we split it up? What if we just said, you know what, we'll do an hour and a half 
like we normally do, or an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday, but we're going to have an hour and 15 minute service on Monday evening. We're going to have an hour and 15 minutes on Tuesday evening, and we're going to have an hour and 15 minutes on Wednesday evening, and we're going to have an hour and 15 minutes on Thursday evening, and we're going to have an hour and 15 minutes on, Sat- on Friday evening. How many of you on Sunday would be like, well, at least I can go to Friday service? <laughs> I mean, I can catch Friday. Or would we be so devoted to the Lord that it would be like, okay, man, what? The body's getting together? The the people of the Lord are getting together to find out more about him, to worship him, to pray to him as one body? All right, honey, we got to wipe everything clean. We got to get rid of every other thing that we were going to do because the body of Christ is getting together every day this week and we can't miss it. Because if we're not there, then it's not the body. It's just part of the body. Are we that devoted to Christ? I didn't think twice. In fact, when I looked at the schedule, I was like, oh, Michigan's playing Oregon. They're going to get crushed. I got to watch that game. And then Notre Dame is playing Penn State. They're going to get crushed. I got to watch that game because of my two least favorite teams. I got to see them get annihilated. It was nothing to me. And it was just six hours. Boom. Done. I think, how are we devoted to Christ? How much are we devoted to Christ? These believers devoted, committed themselves to Christ. And I thought about that in in our life. Um, How many of you have a job? Raise your hand, all right? Most of you, obviously most of you have a job, okay? I want you to think about, you know, when you you got hired, you have a job description. I would say probably 99.5% of you probably have a job description, right? And you have this job description which tells you what you have to do. Now, imagine if your boss came in, okay? Your boss comes in one day and says, Joe, I want you to do such and such. And it's part of his job description, right? It's in the job description, but the boss just comes in and reminds him, I need you to do this, Joe. What would you say if your boss did that? Okay, yeah, simple as that. I mean, it's just a two-letter answer. Okay, just like that, right? Okay, you wouldn't think about it. Okay, that's in my job description. I may not like to do it. I may not be comfortable doing it, but okay, boss, I knew we're getting hired. I knew when you hired me, you told me this is what I was going to have to do, and so I'm going to do it. I'll just do it. We wouldn't question it. If our earthly boss came to us and told us, in fact, if he told us to do something, sometimes it's not in our job description, we'd still answer and say, okay, I need this job. I need the benefits from it. I need the salary from it. I need this job. And so, okay, it's not, it's not something you told me up front that I was, I didn't know I was going to have to do this, but I'll do it. And I think about the Lord. Uh, we know our job description from the Lord. We know our job description from the Lord. In fact, um, we're going to have some verses come up on the screen. One at a time here. First one is Mark eight thirty four through 36. It says, Jesus is talking. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Now, if you're, if you're not familiar with the New Testament stuff, um, the cross is what Jesus died on, and it was an instrument and a visual picture of death. Okay? And so, take up your cross. It means the end of you. You're denying yourself, and you're willing to die and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? That's Mark 8, 
34 through 36. So the first thing that Jesus talks about, if we're going to follow him, first thing in our job description is you've got to deny yourself and be willing to lose your life for me. All right? The next thing, Mark chapter 12, verses uh, 30 and 31. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second commandment is this. You shall love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. So here's the second part of our job description that's laid out before we even give our lives to Christ. You got to love me most of all. And you got to love everybody else as much as you love yourself. Third thing, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20 says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And so the third thing on our job description is this. Don't keep it to yourselves. Go and tell people what I've done for you. Go and tell people what I did for the whole world. That I gave my life. Go and tell them and make disciples. Teach them what the Bible says. The next thing. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. It says, when, when Peter was talking to him, he said, repent and be baptized. It's one of the commandments. One of the things we're supposed to do after we follow Christ is be baptized. The next thing, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. It says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to salvation. That's God's word. And so the, one of the commands that we're given, one of our job description is we ought to long for the words of the Bible as much as a baby longs for milk. Next thing. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Go ahead and go to the next one. Romans 10, uh, 12, 10 through 16. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Live in harmony with one another. It's talking to the church, both of those verses, talking how we ought to have fellowship with one another. You start noticing the last passage talking about god's word this passage this is kind of what the disciples here the followers of christ are being devoted to god's word the apostles teaching and fellowship with the believers the next passage this is my body which is for you it's jesus talking do this in remembrance of me in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me the next thing Luke 18, verse 1. And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Go ahead and go to the next one. Colossians 4, 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in, the, in it with thanksgiving. And then the last passage. Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. That's quite a job description, right? And that's just part of it. <laughs> that's just like scratching the surface. But here's, here's why I share all those passages. Jesus was up front. He didn't, he didn't hide anything from us. In fact, he was so up front that many of the people that were following him, you look in John chapter 6, many of the disciples, okay, many of the people that were referred to as disciples that were following him, when he gave the hard message, they bailed on him. They left. He said, who can do this? Who can understand this teaching? Who can? And they left him. And it's beautiful because his, his response to the, to the 12 is, you're not going to leave too, are you? And Peter says, where do we go? And to whom did we, would we turn? You have the words of life. 
Where else would we go? That's treasuring God. That's treasuring Christ. And you're saying, we don't have anything else. We gave it all away. We, we don't have anything to turn to. We gave up on those desires. We gave up on those things. And we don't treasure those anymore. We treasure you, Christ. Now, going back to that analogy of our boss, of our earthly boss, and now think about the Lord. The Lord has commanded us to do things. He's given us a job description. He's laid out what we ought to be doing and how we ought to follow him. How do we respond to the Lord? I mean, the very fact that we come to him for salvation means that we are calling him Lord. We cannot be saved apart from making him the Lord of our life. That's what, that's what Romans chapter 10 says. If anyone confesses that Jesus is Lord, believes in his heart that, Christ raised him from the, or that God raised him from the dead, he'll be saved. That word Lord means master. And so if we're really believing that Jesus, that God is the master of our life, how are we responding to him when it comes to these commands? I mean, how do we respond? Well, I'm not comfortable talking to other people. I don't have time to pray. I've, I've, got, I've got a lot to do. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to pray. That like, You want me to pray for an hour? I don't have time to pray for an hour. I can hardly get in the football game. I don't have time for that. Man, you want me to love God above everything? You want me to love and treasure God above my wife and my kids? You want me to love that person as much as I love myself? You want me to love God's word? Have you read Leviticus? You want me to love God's word and treasure it and be devoted to it? You want me to be devoted to fellowship? I hardly eat with my family. How can I be devoted to the church family? How can I be devoted to them? I just don't have time. And, and in fact, we'll go so far as saying you're, you're legalistic if you tell me I have to do those things. You can't tell me to do it. We never say that to our boss. If our boss walked into our office and, and said, hey, I want you to do this and I want it to be done today. We never look up from the desk and say, hey, you're a legalist. I'm not doing it. You can't make me do that. You're legalistic. Go back to your office and your fundamental stuff and, and get back in there, right? We never say that. Yes, sir. Whatever you say, I'll do it. It'll be done today, sir. But the Lord comes to us, the God of the universe. He says, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And we're like, I don't know. I just don't like doing that stuff. I don't want to do that stuff. And if we're honest, if we're honest then, and we compare those two masters in our life, then who really is the Lord over our life? If we can't obey Jesus as much as we obey our earthly master, then who's the Lord of our life? If we're not devoted to Christ and his words as much as we're devoted to the words of our earthly fallible boss, then who's the Lord of our life? Man, my prayer, my desire for us this week, for myself, for you, is that we would see Christ and that we genuinely would treasure him above all things and that today, today would be the day that we say it is over. I'm tired of cowering to the ways of man. I am tired of submitting to the things of man. I am submitting to you, God. 
I am devoting myself to you, God. I'm tired of playing the game of church. I'm tired of playing the game of calling myself a Christian. If I'm not doing what you say, then how can I call myself a follower of you? My prayer is that today, today we would devote, that you would devote yourself to God. That you would devote yourself to the things that he calls us to. That you would devote yourself to who he is. To who he is. The God of the universe who spoke, who spoke and worlds burst into existence. Who spoke and created you. Who pieced you together in your mother's womb. Who knew you before you were even made. That you would devote yourself to who God is. And to all of his ways. And some of you are struggling with that right now. Some of you don't want that. Some of you don't desire that. And what I would challenge you with is, did you pray? Did you pray with me at the beginning? God, open my eyes that I can behold wonderful things from your law. If this is from my law, if this is from me, if this is just what I'm telling you to do, because I just would love my church to look like this, just forget it. But if it's God's word, if he's called us to these things, if he said, if you're going to follow me, then do this. then man, it's time we devote ourselves to God. And what we're going to find, here's what we're going to find. That he really is the greatest treasure we could ever find and ever have. And just like the man in Matthew 13, 44, for our joy, we will lose everything else. We'll give everything else up and say, God, you are worth it. We're going to go and, and uh, go into a time of singing. And we're going to do one song, and then I've actually got something else we're going to do before we finish the worship singing. But um, I want to pray for you. I want to pray the same thing I've been praying all this week. Same thing I prayed for every one of you whose name I have yesterday as I prayed for this service today. Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. We are undeserving. And you have poured out your grace, your mercy, your love on us, God. And we're totally unworthy. We do not, we don't, we don't even want to say that we deserve what you've given and offered us. But Jesus, the fact that you have offered us yourself, you've offered us forgiveness, you have offered us a relationship with the God of the universe. How could we turn it down? How could we turn our back and and look at things that are so meaningless? And things that are going to end, things that are going to die, things that are are not going to live forever and embrace those things rather than you. Jesus, I pray, I pray that today every person here would evaluate their hearts And that they would evaluate you and that they would come to the point in their heart where they would say, Jesus, you are worth it. And if I lose everything else, I give my life to you. You are my portion. You are my treasure. You are my God. You are my Lord. You are the love of my life. Jesus, open our hearts. And open our eyes that we can behold wonderful things from your word. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's what I want us to, uh, here's what I want us to do. Um, as we think about uh, 
the whole idea of being the bride of Christ and, and those promises. Here's what I want to ask you to do. Um, I'm going to lead us through those vows. I'm going to ask you to stand, and, and, and here's what I want to caution, okay? I don't want this to be cheesy, and I don't want it to be fake. Um, there's a great passage in Ecclesiastes 5. I, I totally encourage you to read it today, Ecclesiastes 5, right after Psalms. Just keep turning pages. But it says this. Um, uh, you know what? I'm going to read it and make sure. But it, it, it talks about making vows to God, and, and don't be ca- um, casual in making a vow to God. Be careful when you make a vow to God. It says this. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. The purpose of the whole passage is this. Don't just come into this room and sing songs because the song sounds cool. Don't come into this room and and just pray prayers because the pastor told you to pray them. Be careful. You're in the presence of God. And so I want this to be a beautiful, beautiful moment where we are literally committing and promising, God, you are my everything, and I want to be devoted to you. I want to commit my life to you as a bride commits to a husband, as a husband commits to the wife. And they would say these words together. But in your hearts, I want you to set apart Christ as the Lord. And not be careless with our mouth. Not be careless with our words. But to genuinely, genuinely from our hearts, God, as best as I am able and with your help, these are my promises to you. I'm going to ask you to stand up. If this is your heart, if this is your cry, just repeat with me. I take you, Jesus. To be my Lord, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death do us unite. Jesus, I pray that you hear those prayers, that you hear those vows, and God, that you would bless them. We are sinners. We have a horrible past and an amazing future. And it's all because of your grace. It's all because of what you have done. We're not deserving of the future. You've just granted it to us through Christ, Lord. And so I pray that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit to go out of here and keep promises that we've made to you. To be a people that are devoted to you. That love you and love your church. That love your words. That are committed to you as we look to your word and as we pray to you, believing that you hear us even now. How full of a, foolish of us to even say those vows if we don't believe that you hear us. And even more, how foolish of us not to pray to you, the God of the universe, who listens to the hearts of man and hears our prayers and even answers. We thank you for this time and we pray that in these next songs that we sing, that we would just cry out. We would hold nothing back. We wouldn't think about the person next to us. We wouldn't think about the person behind us. Jesus, we would think of you knowing that you keep your promises. You never let go. You have been faithful and you always will be. And we praise you, Jesus, 
for all that you've done. Amen.